Well, so when I left when I left art school, one of the reasons why I kind of stepped away from making art is that I felt uh, very inarticulate. Um, I, I found the language that I was attempting to use uh, beyond my grasp, and you know I felt stupid. I felt inadequate, and. So, and that kind of affected me in such a way that I, I, I struggled for quite a few years being able to just uh, not necessarily hold a conversation, but to, but to speak at all publicly was just beyond me. And then when I when I got back into making art after a few years of teaching and doing some lectures and stuff like that, suddenly I found this fluidity. I was I was able to like. I was almost able to like um, ad lib and extemporize, and I got very excited about it with this newfound ability to be very voluble, to be to have this this kind of like uh, you know phrases instantly coming to my mind, coming slipping to my tongue. And when I stopped teaching, it kind of because it's a practice. I think it's a it's a you know it's something that you that if you don't rehearse it, it just it, it, you know, it evaporates, and it did. Um, but now, when I listen to myself, I just I, I, I hear that same kind of <laughs> uh, yeah, like I say, lack of lack of confidence, kind of uh, anxiety in in all the kind of ums and ers and hesitancies. You know, it's. It, you know, over here now they talk about this thing about um, imposter syndrome, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and part of it for me is, I mean, although there are and has been a lot of, you know, very eloquent working class speakers, it still feels it's not your language. You know, you're 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 having to learn. Particularly in, in academia, you're having to learn this language that isn't naturally yours, you know. Um, and so it always feels, it always feels uncomfortable for me to be able to, uh, you know, I, 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 in a way I have to kind of impersonate it at first. I have to learn how to impersonate that kind of style of, of speech. Anyway, that's, that's just a... I think this is very interesting because the you are also very interested in calmness, theatricality. I mean, there is all these uh, ways of uh, expressions that are supposed to kind of do that, like to mimic something or to you know push it to a kind of uh, form of performativity that is uh, and. It's interesting because I, I, I hear you sometimes in your talks, there is that level of performativity, or at least you know certain stories that have become crucial. You know, yeah. with Pixie, for example, I'm reminded of, oh, was it Joseph Boyce and his whole history, you know, you know, falling out of the airplane and everything, you know. Is, is that your Pixie story? You know, like you made yeah, out yeah, of yeah. this Pixie story, this like, so there is uh, I think in your practice a level of performativity that 
I think it's interesting to hear that is, you know, you go between that and sometimes in your talks you are confident and funny. And, uh, and now, obviously, you know, uh, you say now that is uh, kind of difficult, but uh, I think I, I certainly feel very similar. In fact, Miguel and I were talking about, he was telling me about this imposter syndrome because I was feeling like that after a talk we did, you know, so. It's a class thing that it's interesting because it seems that from any other area outside, let's say academia and so, we need to conquer that language, even like, in terms of like computer language or music language. And we need to, uh, yeah, colonize that space. Um, yeah, um, somehow um, legitimize ourselves and our discourse in a territory yes. which in the past we had no uh, legit legitimacy yes. for speaking and stuff like that. So I think it's a very relevant discourse for a moment in which suddenly we can have people in the um, top of the hierarchy, let's say, from education to culture, etc., that generally was not there. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, it's also... I mean, it's... It, it, I mean, the universal language of academia is English, right? So, so I've already got, you know, I'm privileged in that sense, right? So, um, and people have to learn uh, this fluency, but like, as you say, it's only, it's only in, in that kind of a, it's only when they become adept at it that, that the, they can engage fully in the, in the conversation, in the discourse, right? Otherwise, um, I mean, I don't, you know, whether legitimacy, but just, just in terms of like, whether they're taken seriously or not. I just we're, we're being heard, basically, isn't it? It's just about being heard uh, and acknowledged and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, whether whether these things are dramatically changing at the moment, I guess so. It's uh, it still seems to be the same kind of required speech to me in a lot of ways. It's. Uh, You know, this is, I don't know if we got into this last time, but, you know, the, the, in, all, in all of these sort of transformations that happen within the art world and, and you know, I, I've been involved in the art world for the last 30 years or, or maybe longer. Um, you know, it's still essentially, I mean, this is what confounds me about it. It's still essentially bourgeois. It's essentially a, a, a bourgeois culture and you adapt to those values, you know, um, you can resist them in some way, but eventually you either succumb or you leave, you know, um, you know, and, it, and looking at it from that way, it's almost like you're learning, uh, I mean, Already I'm having a lot of problems in the back of my head with what I'm about to say, but you know, you, you, you are learning a kind of to speak within the salon, to learn a kind of particular 
courtly language, you know. I th- that's how that's how it feels for me at times. But then, you know, I I've had experiences of working class or non, you know, non-native English speakers whose command and fluency of the language makes what they're saying um, incredibly powerful. You know, that that they've that they've mastered it. If you can still use that term, but you know that they've that they've uh, you know through through willpower they've kind of like practiced and learned to articulate in a way that is uh, not only acceptable but very effective and you know fluency is always admirable, right? Everyone likes to listen to someone who can speak well. Uh, and can convey interesting ideas. So, you know, I have nothing but admiration for anyone who, who manages that, who doesn't come from that class. That's basically what I'm trying to get at. But so I, I think, don't... I think uh, on the one hand, I think with the format of the podcast, there is much more room for these kind of fragilities and vulnerabilities to come across. And in fact, it's more like, especially in the times of the pandemic like the podcast becomes almost like friends you know that you you know that you know you cannot socialize much but you can at least have this voice that is kind of close and sometimes it's like almost getting into your own thoughts internal thoughts so it's like sometimes when it's not even very well articulated or you know it's this doubts or insecurities i think people are much more willing to give time to you know right, okay. this you know because they are also you know i think people are we are feeling it so it's not and obviously nobody can make sense of these times in real time you know it's it's, it's uh, everybody's kind of struggling for words and yeah. i think I, I, this you know like this stupid feeling you know like having your whole brain you know fucked out and not yeah. able to articulate and to you know like, yeah, we talk a bit about it last you know but it's certainly that feeling and it takes a lot of um, you know I, i don't know what it takes in order to get out of this fog but i must say you know it's even a, a philosopher a friend of us uh, miguel and i have who is extremely articulated but doesn't Uh, feel so comfortable with talks sometimes, you know, and it's, this is one of the most intelligent uh, yeah. and fluid persons that I've ever met and so it can happen to even people who have mastered it, so it's, it's such a complex um, it is, isn't it? But I must say you know, I was hearing the conversation that you had uh, at uh, MoMA with Peter Keeney and Stuart Comer and I must say those are the two you know like for me they represent uh, like kind of curators who have the mastery of language but they also show it you know so you know while I think you were warm and like you know like let you know things come in it's like they are like guardians of uh, it felt like guardians of discourse you know and guardians of positions of the art you know like that kind of I yeah. think there is an intimidation in the art where yeah. people really judge you whether you, you know, what you say is valid or not, or the way that you talk. And I don't know, you feel 
yes. touch, which is yes. that's something that I didn't don't appreciate. But with with analytic philosophy, it's the same language and the structure. The structure of analytic philosophy and the use of language makes this gatekeeping very robust. So unless you do this stuff in this particular manner, you are not welcome in the club. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it's common for for a lot of different fields. It's like a demarcation of class. Yes, that, um, I think in, it's interesting how we can fight this sort of stuff from the PR edits that sometimes we can read in magazines, and so to, for example, the very weak uh, structure or fluid structure of other formats. This yeah, a uh, sort of struggle that I find. I find very little resistance to it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like this book come out uh, recently of uh, about Marky Smith. Mm. No, and that and that for me is his his language is like that's that's another way of speaking intelligently, right? There's that that another fluency. There's another, you know, intellect, um, and yet it's you know we, he's so framed in such a way. He's so he's so kind of put on a pedestal because he's so, it's so unique, and and I don't know why that is. I don't know why he should be uh, such a singular individual because you know when I was growing up. There were plenty of people who could talk like that. You know, a, a, a kind of, you know, particularly in Liverpool, there's a, there's a kind of, it's a very Irish community in Liverpool. It's like, it's like a big Irish community. And there's always been a, uh, a reverence for like the word and, and for the, and for volubility, for being able to speak in a, in a, you know, fluently, poetically, um, rhetorically, you know what I mean? It's like, these are, these are kind of valued just in a, in a pub conversation, right? I was just talking to, uh, this group called School of the Damned, which is okay. like this alternative MA course that's been set up, this sort of grassroots alternative MA course. And the last time I talked to them, they held. They usually hold, hold these crits in, in in pubs or above. You know, they hire out a room above a pub. And anyway, we met up, and you know, we had this kind of okay conversation about art. It's sort of crit. It was a bit, you know, it was a bit clunky. It was a bit, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the opposite of fluent is. It was a. Uh, hesitant and all the rest of it and then as we were leaving there was all these it was an Irish pub and there was all these Irish guys in there this is in the middle of the day drinking and this one guy asks us like you know what what we were doing what why we were all coming downstairs and we told him and he and he just launched into yeah he ended up talking about uh Apollinaire and uh it, it was just you know it was just out it was just flu and it was <laughs> Yeah, it, it was like this uh, masterclass in kind of um, 
in 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 kind of you know intellectual and and pleasure uh, and an exchange of ideas and all the rest of it you know something something we've been attempting in this very um you know kind of crabbed way he was just able to just it was just there for him it was just it was just immediate you know and and like I say, it's like the only the only kind of example I can think of that is like Marky Smith. You know, but, I mean, he's such a peculiar character. I, mean, I know he's a, uh, yeah, but, but but that's it doesn't come from nowhere. That's what uh, I, that's what I mean. It's not. He's not. It's he's not a singular genius. You know, that is a his his way of seeing the world, his way of like organizing his thoughts and his and his words and how he you know collages and puts things together. That's an expression of a of a that's an expression of a north northern working class culture, particularly mm. Irish influenced. I'd say. You I know, mean, I'm, you, I must say that I'm quite impressed with, um, you know, like the you know, like yeah. Also, I guess Joy Division and you know all these bands that came from you know Manchester, Suffolk, you know, but. They were various, you know, the sense of aesthetic was very, of artistic sense of aesthetics, you know, like when you compare it to London, it's like, even though it was also a very aesthetic place, but it was very, very impressively, you know, uh, singular and aesthetic and, you know, like being able to channel these characteristics from that place uh, into such amazing, you know, uh, ways. But I, I mean, I must say that the class divisions in Britain are, you know, the most extreme that I ever experienced in the countries yeah. that I lived in, you know, and it's, it's, it has so particular ways and expressions that is, uh, that is not, it's, it's, it's a head fuck. It's not something that I can really, well, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's head fucking us again, you know? Yeah. Because there's a restructuring that is making it much more obvious. Obviously that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's um, but there is, there is this this interesting thing because even in the example of Marky Smith, or, um, or even the the dance, how the um, working class people introduce this this particular dance moves, no, that were not uh, super far-fetched stuff that you have to be super sophisticated in order to express yourself. This responded um, to a, a particular cultural and class transformation during the Thatcherite era, I would say. Right. And it's interesting because I don't know these images that uh, actually we can see in your work, in Fiorucci and so, it's difficult to find examples of this cultural transformation today. And I guess maybe we can talk about, yeah, people from grime, trap, drill, but I wonder if you have particular examples or instantiations of this class and cultural transformation today because you create this sort of I don't know uh, weird uh, mythological folklore in Oh Magic Power of Bleakness in this piece 
So we see a sort of kids that are, are not defined as one particular is 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 eerie, yeah. no? So do you have any examples in mind of the only today? the only one I know of today is uh, I think it's called is it called Bike Life UK Bike or Bike Life, right? Okay. Have you seen this? No. And it's like so I don't know, the last 10 years or whatever, there's been a big craze. I don't know if it came from the States, but it's been there's been a big craze for like well, <laughs> basically riding bikes, push bikes. Okay. Yeah. But then mopeds and all the rest of it as well. But it's, it's mostly mo mostly push bikes and doing these incredibly long wheelies. Have you seen this? No. Yes. Yeah. So so that's the thing. So UK bike or bike life or whatever it's called. Is is when is is they have a meet, and they all congregate together, and then they just ride on mass, and the majority of them are doing wheelies, and they just take over uh, a, a you know main roads, and they just swarm, and there's like there can be like a thousand of them. Okay, but in Spain we had this with skateboard, no? In Basque Country, Machin, and in Madrid, that they do this massive downhill in the middle of the city. Okay, all right, okay, yeah. I mean, it's that—that's the—that's the only kind of because when I'm when I was thinking of when I was thinking of this question, it was uh, you know my first response would be you don't you don't see that kind of like. Uh, You know, a very intentionally visible street culture anymore. That seems to be that seems to have been something that was particular to the, you know, to the twentieth century. That hasn't that hasn't uh, transisted to to this one. You know, um, but that 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 bike is very familiar. It's for you know, it's very kind of mod. You know what I mean? It's it's the same impulse and all the rest of it. It's quite aggressive, you know. Uh, basically, you just got to move. Everyone's got to move. They go on the pavement. They just, you know. We were we were at some park the other day, and a group of them came through, and they were just like they were all doing these wheelies, and they were literally coming past everyone. And the wheel was like this, and you just had to. You know, there was nothing you could do. You just have to. You just have to let the wheel go past. Cling on to your children. It's just like, you know. But um, in ter in terms of, I don't. I mean, it's it, I, I. You know that. In terms of subculture, look one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fifty. I'm a fifty-seven-year-old father, but two. I think. I mean, to me, they seem. It seems like there were very particular conditions that existed between 1950 and 1990. That you know, you could already see them disappearing before the 20th century had finished, right? Um, and that you know, that includes the kind of rise of cheap technology, you know, distribution of. Of, uh, and broadcast of music, all the rest of it, right? I mean, that changed with like Napster, and changed with the, you know, changed with the early days of the internet, and 
it was already you know those con those conditions were already kind of um, dispersing before we were in 2000 2001 you know we uh, spend more time online yeah obviously yeah I mean but I, I, I think now there's different conditions you know what I mean that produce a different effect and it's like that I mean to me that just seems like that that you know it was it was an anomaly you know yes in a Because way it was like it was like a weird byproduct of the petrochemical industry you know what I mean but also the welfare state no the welfare well, and the welfare, exactly the welfare yeah. state petro well yeah it was yeah. like it threw that up these were the byproducts now i was just listening to something else the other day and he was talking about the counterculture you know and talking about how the counterculture the 60s you know could never reconcile that they loathed their parents generation because of their kind of techno bureaucratic Uh, acceptance of, of of the machine they were just cogs in the machine and yet at the same time uh, you know the counterculture was birthed out of that very same technology you know the, the cheap portable record players the motorbikes the, the black pop and the, you know all of it was that it was it came from the same place you know uh And that you know that was always that was always pulling at, at the counterculture, the subculture, that 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 um, a contradiction. Yeah, I mean that's something that we've been talking about. It uh, actually with Matt Drake has brought the example. Oh right, okay. With uh, Stewart Brand and the way that he was very important for the Earth. Catalog, yeah, exactly. You know, World Hold Earth Catalog, and then he became, you know, um, one of you know very important ideologue of the whole Silicon Valley and with the Wire magazine. And yeah. it's very interesting the way that he identified a similar attitude between the hippies, yeah. uh, in which they have a, a very <laughs> pragmatic uh, approach, you know, almost non-political. And then the hackers, you know, which they also, you know, had very sharp functional kind of, but they wanted to achieve what they wanted to achieve, you know, and against, you know, politics kind of get elevated or become quite libertarian forms of politics, exactly. which, yeah. you know, in today's reality, you see it rising it uh, very strongly mm. and uh, in a scary way. Sure. And this is a, a very interesting uh, time sure. to observe you know all those kind of forms of counterculture which seem to count you know to to go against certain bourgeois values they become very important examples of a strong individualism that in neoliberalism has been you know something totally necessary to survive you know yeah and, and this is something that for me you know growing up in the aftermath of punk you know to see it as guilty of you know actually producing the seeds for the society you know like or, or you know not seeing such a opposition between the establishment and and and, and, and that counterculture by seeing that ah it's a continuation it's, it's you know it's not that you know yeah and and, and that has been uh, that that's that's hard That's yes. hard because then whatever you thought it was transgressive, we talk about the, yeah, the transgressive maybe it's a problematic term, but you know, yeah, that which you saw as transgressing certain bourgeois values and conventions, then it becomes 
the template for you know a yeah. kind of very ugly you know type of society that you know if you put it in yourself in the mirror it's just like oh you know what yes but the, yeah, the problem is where to look at you know if you had those models you know then what do you look at for other forms of models or you know is it problematic to look back into counterculture or is there potential still to find in different expressions of counterculture or we just need to be more careful in in terms of you know what we get from them yes i mean i think you know they, they were such a kind of uh you know a, a mismatch a mixed match of 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 competing kind of ideas you know there was some romanticism in there there was existentialism you know there were all these kind of like undigested unprocessed kind of ideas that were just that you know part part of its kind of dynamic was that you could just incorporate that right and it's just like well i can take from that this is this will produce this effect but you know in the same way it kind of worked like drugs they're like they they produce the effect they produce is kind of like consistent or, or persistent yeah you know and you can't get off them so you know particularly romanticism i think trying to mix romanticism with you know politics as in the as in the, the counterculture you know the, that 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 was like oil and water you know and and did like you say i think produce this kind of like libertarian um this kind of sexy libertarian image right which is still which is now i'd say the most kind of powerful energy isn't it it's like absolutely you know absolutely. and this is problematic um, i think no yeah. because it's seducing a lot of young people with as well a lot of new energy yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean this is something that's somehow i see this seduction in young people with cryptocurrencies nfts that we talked um, last time etc um they have genuine interest in let's say decentralized forms of organization but at the same time they are buying the the whole libertarian pack um um mind frame um yeah, yeah. plus being informed by tabloids plus new populisms well yeah i think it's yeah i mean there's there's a kind of i guess that i guess the point that the intersection where it's meat is about a kind of a you know is a is a sort of thatcherite individual individualism but then there's you know the this kind of newer form of libertarianism this sort of more which is much more american which is like you know like i say like somehow still sexy or exciting or kind of uh there's a there's a kind of thrill to it um you know and, and includes a kind of transgression right it's kind of it can be transgressive that that is uh yeah it's very i mean I was, i was thinking about last time we talked about nfts and i've been you know well they're unavoidable right so 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been on my mind. Um, but one of the things I find really interesting about that is uh, there's a book that I you, maybe you've heard of. I, I, I was very influenced by uh, Eric Davis called Technosis. Yes, but I never read it actually. It's it's good. It's uh, you know it kind of kind of brings a lot of this stuff in in a way because you know one of his kind of ideas is that you know part of the part of the, I guess where the the kind of hippie spiritualism the sort of spiritual side of hippies meets cybernetics and it it kind of produces this thing this kind of like gnostic world view right this kind of idea that you can uh, that you can kind of transcend the meat you can you can you can you know you can escape the kind of meat verse the the meat world right and you know and it, it leads to this path which you know is great is best embodied by like Elon Elon Musk right yeah you know, go to Mars what? you know uh, upload your brain all the, all this kind of post-human kind of ideas right yeah uh, and I just thought I just thought oh, it's it's interesting that there's this there's this embrace of like NFTs which kind of share that same um i don't know landscape or, or kind of or, or, or kind of produced by that realm that that they emerge now at the same time that the art world in itself has become much more accountable right so the art world now is all about like you know we've got to look at the structures of power we've got to look at you know um who's represented within the art world, all the rest of it. And we've got to ask questions about where, you know, we've got to follow the money. We've got to, we've got to see who's financing these kind of institutions, who's on the board, all the rest of it. So everything becomes much more accountable very quickly. This is in the last, you know, it's really accelerated in the last two or three years. And then and as that's happening, you get this emergence of this, you know, something to me that looks quite escapist. It's kind yeah, of yeah. like that has very little accountability, right? It's kind of like it's kind of about freedom, right? It's like freedom to a, a kind of aesthetic freedom, just like you do what you want, uh, and a kind of um, yeah, libertarian, no questions asked kind of kind of. Uh, I mean, it's you know, I'm so I'm talking about. I mean, I think NFTs are interesting. Let's just get that out of the way. I think they're, they're unfolding. We'll watch them unfold, but there's there's some there's some way they're being presented now, not just about the kind of financial side of them, but about their kind of like their freedom. They suggest a kind of freedom. They're, they're kind of, uh, you know, the only thing that's holding them back and the, the annoying argument is that is the carbon footprint, right? So that yeah. keeps, that that's all that's got them tethered to this earth and to the you know to the state. Once once they've once they've kind of resolved that problem, then they're free. You know, they they're, they're free to inhabit the kind of immaterial realm, right? And in that realm, it's like it's it's a libertarian realm, right? Basically, it's a kind of so so you don't have to answer those questions. 
that are being that are being addressed to the museums and all the rest of it. You know, you don't have to deal with that shit. And it's like it seems very gendered to me as well. You know, it seems like a very gendered thing that's going on. Just as more women are becoming included in the art world and becoming more um, uh, more visible, then suddenly it feels like a lot of white dudes suddenly are making art in this other sphere. And then yeah. I, I kind of find that quite suspicious. Well, there well, is a the, problem uh, with the schools of engineers. With schools, of en uh, schools of engineers, computer engineers, and toxic masculinity, I think there is an endemic problem. We can see yeah. it with 4chan, the Gamergate, etc. Yeah, all of that. It's, it seems... I mean, I know there's I know there's a lot of interesting stuff about you know. Uh, oh, what were you, you talking about before? Um, decentralized organizations and all that. All that stuff is is you know is very interesting, and I think it does point to the future in some way. But it's just it's just the way it's being kind of presented now. Is it just seems quite. A, It seems like a dark force rather than anything. <laughs> I'm not, you know, and I don't like. Yeah. Anyway, I could go. I could no, go. No, but it makes sense. Have you heard about Russian cosmism? This 19th, late 19th century, beginning of the 20th century movement. No. It was a mixture between scientific forecast, uh, orthodox Christian mythology, and Uh, early ideas of transhumanism before the October Revolution and has a lot of connections with what, for example, Eric Davis is talking about today. Yeah. Like a mixture between ideas just in case we have to figure out our own immortality or survival in the outer space. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it's interesting because, again, this occur just before an extremely turbulent moment in time. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, there are a couple of uh, very nice books. About okay. This. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I don't find it coincidental. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> we're going to talk about conspiracies, but I'm not conspiratorial minded, but I do find this. Yeah, surprising. Well, not surprising. I, I guess I want to make a bridge between what we are talking now and the conspiracy theories. And well, okay. a bit, uh, and I think because, um, I mean, before you were talking about uh, romanticism and then certain forms of spiritualism. And, you know, I was thinking like uh, bridging what we were talking before about the class uh, issue and then your interest and you being a casual, no? And the kind of, you talk a lot, quite a bit about the commodity fetishism of the brands or the clothing or, you know, the objects or, you know, like that, or your relationship to the Jeff Koons bunny. You know, there is something there, um, which, as you said, that you are, you know, very interested. Um, but also sometimes you talk about the kind of spiritual, well, I don't know if it's spiritual. I mean, I remember that there was, in the conversation with Daniel Birbaum was the conversation enchantment, disenchantment, the issue about enchantment. Right. So I'm, I'm, as a kind of bridge, you know, pre-conspiracy theory or like a list to differentiate, 
uh, and in relationship also you know to the opposition to the kind of critical theory aftermath of when you studied in the art school that you were totally um, you seem to have a kind of uh, or your practice is driven by this interest on commodity fetishism or on this you know this kind of force that either objects or certain images or music you know there's like something there that is you know maybe beyond the rational yeah um so okay critical theory is maybe too tight and too restrictive and you know uh, you know yeah let's say tight then there is this other thing that the art practices offers which is uh, something that maybe explores the beyond and then maybe we can explore. So, you know, let's make, make this kind of clear differentiation between this interesting commodity fetishism on that which is beyond whatever we want to call it. And then, you know, distance ourselves from the conspiracy theories, you know, just okay. if that makes sense. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> now, let's, let's start with your interest in, on this commodity fetishism. Okay, all right. What's my interest is is magic. That's that's my interest. It's it's magic. It's like the magical properties of a thing or an idea or a or an experience, you know, and how that. Um, produces a kind of a, a, a kind of ecstatic feeling at its at its at its at its peak you know and that ecstatic feeling being that you're I think ecstasy it, it means something like literally beside oneself right you're kind of taken outside yourself and I guess you I guess you regard yourself in this state of kind of like pleasure of joy and there and it is a feedback there I don't know it's if it kind of feels like that so there's it's I, I just want to know all right so so most of the most of the work I've made is is basically starts off with a, a basic premise of why does this thing affect me so deeply why the why does this thing move me why does this thing terrorize me why does this thing uh, um, inspire awe in me whatever, whatever why is it doing this to me and why am I obsessing about it and why uh, why can't I just let it go and so and so art for me is this like process of like letting go it's like it's it's like I dig into that thing I, I kind of this thing that's been casting its light on me I, I try and grasp it and and examine it from all sides and and try and uh and try and apprehend what it what it's doing I, what it's what its mechanism is what it's kind of like uh, what its relations are you know what's what's it what's it and what does it want and why does it want me and why won't it leave me alone? These are the kind of questions. But so, you, you, know, 
do you want it to produce it on other because your work produces that into other people yeah and then there's that and then and then i realize that that's a kind of yeah that that's a kind of yeah exactly it's a it's and a you mean, are talking it's almost, a means of production it's a means you're talking of, about the you're talking almost about this possession diamond possession no yeah the, from creative force that you are possessed it's not necessarily like... creative it's more it's more as a consumer it's not it's not a creative possession it's a kind of consumer it's a consumer possession and it's a kind of like i'm poisoned you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm intoxicated by these things you know and, and when i say intoxicated they're toxic they're not you know it's not i'm not talking about like love yeah like yeah. i have for my children these are like but these are things that can sometimes override my love for my child you know what i mean they're so yes. powerful it's like they can be or they can be equivalent to that and then you think but it's a shoe <laughs> you know <laughs> it's 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 an inanimate object that's it's occupying my mind as much as my child or as much as my wife or whatever it's like how how you know and i can i can i can address it in terms of my own kind of like narcissism or whatever but it's like to me it seems like it's it's an effect of capitalism you know uh, but then i can't address capitalism directly i can't you know i can't i can't bring a marxist analysis to it i don't have that capacity or that kind of that's not my that's not my instinct so i i have to address it in the only way i kind of know how which is to just kind of feed on it as much as i can and then like and and then like you said that's that that becomes product i mean in a way i've stopped believing this because i realized it's a kind of a little bit of a stick to kind of to make things because it's very productive you know yeah you because of... my, my creative point i was i was assuming this sort of materialistic reading that you are using of the term but i was trying to be like very literal in terms of uh yeah what this stuff that in ancient greece they talk about demonic possession because you are urge to produce something because you have right. a, a spirit but yeah. you are you are guided inverted commas towards the production of yes. something beyond your own will yeah 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 And yeah that's what i find interesting yeah because it can accommodate what marx was saying about commodity fetishism yeah. yeah definitely i mean it does i mean you know in the back of my mind constantly is 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 the is the passage about the uh of about commodity fetishism about the dancing table right or, or the table that grotesque ideas spin out of its head right um so that's a, that's always there that's always there in that sense you know the coons bunny film is very much that you know i was kind of looking at i mean i think I hope <laughs> the Coons is looking at it in the same way. I don't I'm not so sure anymore, but that's what I used to think. 
Um, but I definitely was. I was kind of, I was, I was thinking of that passage as I made that piece. So yeah, there's a. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't expand on that except in the way. Well, but you develop this in very different areas because, um, yeah, I wrote this about the the way in which uh, you or uh, you confectionated these outfits uh, for for the kids. And, yeah, uh, and this is fantastic, no? Uh, the, these kids with the track suits and trainers and like. Uh, in all magic power of bleakness and and then i remember uh, an interview that i love from a uh, uh, andalusian trap singer in which he was asked about uh, his thoughts on fashion no? and he thought yeah i find it very very interesting for me it's like it's like magic costumes so yeah yeah no one put into question that nights in middle ages They needed these armors, etc. Yes. The yeah. dangers we face nowadays in the street are different. We need these fancy clothes in order to survive. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my God, this guy is super smart. Yeah. <laughs> Because obviously we impose these magical attributes to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think. Yeah, well, they are. They're like, you know. I mean, they're totems, right? Yeah. They're, 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 that's what they are they're kind of totems in the most you know it's interesting I had this so there's a kind of there's a kind of on Instagram there's a sort of network of like self-declared working class artists right and they make work about uh, work, about being working class essentially and And the same, you know, I'll go to art schools, I'll have tutorials and there'll be someone someone there from a working class background. And invariably, they've made something with a trainer. At some, it's, at some point within their practice, there'll be a trainer. And they're just, you know, because they're this totem and it's like, you know, it, it also frustrates me because it's like, is that, is, is it so... Is, you know, is, is the discourse so impoverished for working class artists that all they can do is refer to this fucking trainer? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Is that all we can do? Is like bring up trainers in order to to kind of uh, symbolize or, or kind of point to the working class. Um, so, I, I mean, it kind of began with that. But I, you know, I wanted them to be, I wanted them to be medieval. I mean, yeah, all right. So, so, so one of the, one of the reasons I did that was because I saw some photographs of um, kids in Liverpool. Well, they, they still called scallies in Liverpool, right? And I mean, I can show you the photograph, but there, there's a couple of them where they're just, I mean, I think, I think they were they were photographed for some piece on gangs, right? So they're completely they've got the hoods up, they've got a masks on, they've got gloves on, they're completely in black. Uh, and I thought, and in, in their silhouette, 
I thought, well, they look like trainee monks. They look like um, adepts. What's that? What's that? There's a good word for them. I can't remember what the word is. I, I, I found out what the word was for a trainee monk. But I just thought they look monastic and they look medieval. Right? They look like medieval monks. And that to me was a kind of strange... Um, you know, it's it, it it's a strange um, it's a strange thing to evoke, right? But then it kind of makes sense. They're like, you know, they're, they're they're sort of novices in that sense. They're they're of that age. They've kind of taken a vow, you know, a sort of vow of brotherhood, uh, of community, um, and they are outside of society right they're kind of like they're part the 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 part of society but they're kind of you know you know the monastery was always up on the hill right it's it's like they're 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 separate so i just yeah i just started thinking of them in terms of like these kind of like young monks in need of uh in need of guidance Fucking, or need of spiritual nourishment, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, it, I, I, yeah, go on. Can, can art give that spiritual nourishment? Can art give that spirit? Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I know what spiritual nourishment is. Um, I mean, sometimes I worry that all I'm looking for is some kind of like uplift, you know, in the day, just a kind of mundane uplift. Uh, I mean, I think I can certainly, it can move you. I don't, you know, move, to talk about something moving you is quite, um, it's almost like pejorative, isn't it? It seems quite, that seems quite mundane to be moved by something. You know, I'm moved by an advert. You know, I'm moved by lots of, lots of inconsequential things move me, you know. A kitten stuck in a tree moves me. Um, I don't know if these are, I don't, I don't know how profound being moved is. But I, I, I mean, I, I guess there's a feeling. Uh, all right. I, I mean, I, at the moment, this is, you know, this is basically this is how I work. I think. I think I work like in a, in a as a very uh, clunky dialectic. So, so my clunky dialectic at the moment is uh, some kind of like, I guess, I wouldn't call it spiritual nourishment, but some some sense of trying to find magic like i said right and then and then the antithesis of that is that is that the magic is obviously produced in order to ensnare me in the most kind of transparent consumerist ways right and i'm basically falling for it every time so my latest one for example is like 
Lana Del Rey's got a new album, right? And the first track on that is called White Dress. And in that, she does this line about being at the Men in Music Business Conference. Yeah, listen to it. Have you heard it? Yes, yes. And that just, like, that just sets me alight. The way she does that, the way she crams it in and what it means and then the politics of it and everything just... That just that just lights me up, right? Baby, baby. 
So in this kind of dialectical sense I'm going I'm, I'm I'm constantly it's like is that is that is that speaking some kind of truth to me is that is that producing some I mean I don't I'm not, I don't feel like I'm looking for something authentic but is it is it is it productive I guess or or am I just being a sap you know am i just being a sappy fan of lana del rey and there and thereby a sappy fan of all of it you know there at that point i just feel like i'm i'm sucked into everything and i'm just the greatest you know just another sucker so what's the what's the line you know i mean that's how do you draw the line i mean i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I've got to. I've got to. This is the. You know. I, I haven't reached the. What's it called? The. Uh, the alpha bung or whatever it's called. I. You know. I've, I've yet to. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still in that stage. I don't know. It's. It's. But it's. It. You know. It's interesting. It's like. See, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm sort of nervous about saying this stuff because again, I don't know if this is actually quite obvious and not very smart thing to say but I kind of I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about it was actually on the Matt Dreyer's thing is that inter interdependence right and it was that David Rudnick oh, yeah. yeah yeah we also talk about it yeah it's great it's great yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. I, you know, that, was, that was very interesting but there's a thing I, I I don't think he's saying this I don't even think he's saying it but the, one of the things that I started that I came away with is is that is this idea of like the sublime being this moment where you see where the code that is running your software is revealed to you, right? Yeah. 
in some way in some way it just it just it reveals itself briefly and you kind of you understand that you're being you know you're encoded you're being run by these protocols right yeah uh, and in that sense there's this there's this sense of like the true sublime it's both this moment of absolute terror and also but also the potential of like as a code there's a text being able to uh to write it to to, to produce it right a yeah? very Kantian interpretation yeah and i know okay see this is why this is why i don't this is I, i put this to another friend of mine and he was kind of basically the he was basically no but i like the sim similar response it's like he he threw lacan back at me no no, um, no but, but i i mean please continue because no i, I mean will, it's I will... just, uh, you know it's just it's that it's that so that you know i i can't all right so this i guess this is the point so i can't I can't process that in terms of Kant. But you, you were know. you were saying basically point like, by maybe, point. Maybe and I, you know, it's not that I haven't read it. I haven't read Kant. You know, I've read books on Kant, so I kind of know from what you speak, right? The thing in itself and that, but I don't know Kant, and I don't. But your description of the sublime was absolutely. You were talking about the dynamical sublime and the mathematical sublime. Right. The terms of yeah, the code and the sense of being afraid of it was perfect. Okay, I mean, but that yeah, yeah. to me that's just something that's that's just useful, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's just a, it's just a, a useful way to approach this point I'm at now, where I'm kind of. I wouldn't say I'm stuck, but I'm 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 kind of uh, I don't I don't know which direction to move towards. But that, I, sorry, uh, but I'm sorry right. because there are um, you said that there are, you have things that you know kind of they have this force like the Lana del Rey. Yeah. Uh, do you need to do some? effort or they move you and that's what moves you and you know that's what kind of triggers the like or they move me and i mistrust that effect i guess but then at the same time i am addicted would be the wrong word but i'm 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 enthralled you know that's 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 the kind you know that's the dynamic it's like what's the what's the what's the line of being a uh, both compelled and repulsed right it's like that yeah. and that's what all these things are doing to me they're both incredibly seductive and just the mere fact they're seducing me and they have this this potency they have this power is is i, I recoil from and is it now As this is uh, this effect at the current pandemic conditions this relationship is different and that's why you are I think, oh yeah okay you're right. maybe it's become more pronounced like everything okay maybe yeah. that's why maybe maybe that's why I'm getting out with this idea the sublime it's like something is revealed you know the sort of it's a bit like 
It's a bit like that John Carpenter film, Them, isn't it? Or They. Yeah, it's a bit like that. It's suddenly, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's that's what it looks like. Uh-huh. I thought it was Lana Del Rey singing sweetly, and it's like, it's, it's, it's not. Or it's Lana Del Rey singing with one of those skull faces. But I, but, I, but I still like the tune. You know what I mean? I guess that's the best way to sum it up. You know, I'm still attracted to it. So, and, and is it something that you think it was always there uh, and now it's, you're revealing or is something that emerges out of these conditions, if you know I mean, what I mean? Maybe now, because I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking if you, re, if you remade, if you did a remake of, is it they or them? I think it's they, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. No, they, no, they live. No? They live. There you go. That's it. They live. So, you know, getting back to like libertarianism in some way, his, his, he's a very libertarian character. You know, his report is response. Basically he's because he can see them. It isolates him. Right. And so he becomes like this kind of re- renegade figure. Right. Doesn't he? From what yeah, I with remember. the glasses, the main character. No? With the glasses, but it's yeah. like it's like only he. It's like it's a bit like it's it's like red pill, isn't it? It's basically like absolutely, yeah. It's the same same premise, isn't it? So only and that's gnosticism, by the way, as well, right? That's what I mean by technosis. It's that as well. It's like only only through kind of gnostic uh, through knowledge, which is gnosticism, do you can you see the true nature of reality, right? So that, that's it's a very Gnostic film they, they live, as is Matrix, right? The, the Matrix is like super Gnostic. Um, but I was just thinking, if you remade it now, you wouldn't be repelled by them. You'd, you'd end up living with them. <laughs> you know, you'd form a relationship with them and you'd be living with these kind of skeletal creatures and, you know, sipping coffee with them chatting away drinking a latte that, that you know i think that seems like a that seems like a major cultural shift to me you know uh, so what do you think about all these use of the red pill image the um, use of magic from this old right or Uh, far right engagement with the memetic magic and yeah, yeah, yeah. of Pepe the Frog and all these things that yeah the progressive left movements they are not engaging in general with this sort of stuff but internet subcultures they are pretty much for it yeah for, for this idea yeah. of being red pilled and having yeah access to the Well, and this is a good connection, actually, with the whole thing of the use of the conspiracy theory stuff from the right, no? Yeah. Um, yeah, I find I find this one I find this one very difficult to um, to speak to. Um, I mean, when I, I remember I, I lived in San Francisco when um, when the uh, it wasn't the FBI, it was the what, what, ATF, was it? Attacked David Koresh, right? Do you remember that? No. 
Well, what's it? What's it known as now? It's known as something else. Waco. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Waco, right? So I lived in San Francisco when that happened. Yeah, and it was this very strange moment because you saw the kind of. I mean, again, back to this kind of counterculture idea and and, and libertarianism. It was, it was this sort of moment where the, the what would have been a kind of understood in a, in an entirely kind from a kind of entirely left position as an attack by the state on an individual, and um, the kind of narrative got twisted away from that to this more this right wing the the kind of incipient incipient right wing narrative you, you basically you saw this when i was there you were, you sort of saw the birth of this kind of right wing narrative or this right wing um mindset right this libertarian right wing mindset that that kind of that was uh, incorporating and kind of like a para, almost parasitically feeding on kind of left-wing criticality right mm. it's sort of it's it's sort of but just moving it that way so so and it was I, it's quite hard to do i'm not really describing it very well it just it was this kind of very shocking moment where you literally saw the sort of san francisco liberal left kind of dismayed and and kind of st- shocked and stunned by by this this emergent new narrative about what happened at Waco that wasn't theirs you know it wasn't it, it, it was no longer their kind of like a, their role to to uh, to criticize it or engage with it it was this new breed of libertarians and that they were angry about it you know and so in order to like deal with what happened to Waco you have to deal with them that make sense yes um and i guess i don't know that's that's the only lens i've got of really looking at it is this kind of uh i don't know if this is an interesting point at all actually but the 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 there's there's this parasitical relationship between what what the the kind of neo right or whatever you want to call them are, are doing now that you know <clears throat> I mean again with the same you know we're getting the same over here it's come from America it's kind of like victim status which is now being applied to like you know white people you know they they they're being they they who are being abused by cancel culture and right yeah. so it's all it's it's this it's this strategy of kind of adopting leftist language in order to kind of both uh, advance your own agendas, but also rebuff criticism from the left. Right? It's it's a it's an incredibly smart strategy. I I, I don't I I it does feel like. I've got nothing to offer it. I mean, basically, you know, part part of the kind of shock of the pandemic is to is to come out of this, 
you know, emerge from the smoke and see that the left has been entirely outflanked by the right. You know, it's uh, it's um, it's a really shocking state of affair, affairs. And it was like, I guess those things were the kind of precursor to it. But now it's it seems to be building even greater momentum and gaining greater traction. I don't I. I mean, yeah, I can't really bring any great no, analysis. But I, think, I think this the notion of magic is uh, very interesting okay. in order to address okay, this. Right. Because, uh, yeah, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago or a week ago yeah, about, the, the, you know, noise, you know, the, like how, you know, what's on the relationship between pol uh, politics and noise. And right. the way that the right wing is able to deal with uh, with noise perfectly, in fact, is this perfect environment. It doesn't need to give kind of uh, accounts on you know what that noise is. It can you know there is like the relationship between rationality and magic is totally disturbed and distorted. Right. Okay. They don't okay. need to kind of they don't need to you know, basically make rational claims. The problem is that the left is making, yes. trying to find some stability, but there is in, right. in, in assumption, an assumptions that are already being either outdated or they cannot uh, offer, uh, you know, like, you know, it, it cannot yeah. say much. You know, they're like, you know, they, that's why they are quite conservative. They're trying to hold into some kind of values, uh, morally yeah. or ethically, that are basically being, have been surpassed by, you know, the, the, the corruption of our times, if you want, you know, and it's trying to hold to some kind of, oh, you know, we have some kind of ethical or moral kind of uh, ground in which we can yes. hold into it, but it's, it's, it's sinking. It's not able to actually cope with the complexity of our reality and i think um the issue of yeah. is very interesting uh because the right is just basically pushing the accelerator like the whole main magic that you were talking about or you know um and, yeah. and it's not, but you know having said that uh if then we see you know maybe this is a bit of a, a kind of sideway but you know i in the art world there's been also the, a, a spiritual turn lately in which you know uh different forms of cosmovisions have been integrated into you know yeah more and more into exhibitions so it's um okay it's magic is not a precise way of talking about it but you know it's like uh definitely you know forms of spirituality that are also you know are also coming back into you know yeah very strongly into the art okay world. all right um i think you know it's it's it i think it's what i was talking about before in terms of uh of like the the magic or the the kind of uh the magical fetishist fetishistic powers um that like i say are, are produced by capitalism right and it's like capitalism equates itself via technology through with magic, right? And so those those kind of that kind of meme magic is just a it's just a, a kind of a natural natural outcome of that. I think in some ways it's like 
they've just tapped into what it feels like. It feels magic, right? Even even though you can even though you can understand its kind of rationalist uh, mechanism, it's like it feels like magic. And if it, if it feels like magic, then let's make magic, right? But like, but like as you say, Miguel, it's um, Marcus. Sorry, it's it's you know then then you get into this conflict between magic and rationalism, right? Or, or reason, yeah. Um, and I don't. I guess you know art was the or is. The, the the magic of of the left in some ways you could say right it's it's that's it's that's it's kind of a that's the space it's been for for a long time um since the since i, don't, I guess since dada right so um But then I think when you see this turn towards, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably guilty of it as anyone else. So I'm not casting aspersions, but I think, I think when this kind of spiritual or supernatural aspect becomes a kind of a, a curatorial device or a kind of a, yeah. becomes institutionalized, it, I, again, I've, I become very suspicious of it. Um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I've seen accusations that it's basically just a, it's it's a kind of white privileged space of kind of avoidance, essentially. You know what I mean? I've seen those arguments made against it. It's like, it's like basically that's all, all, you know, you're too afraid to talk to the politics. So you, you, you know, it's like, it's like I saw a bit of graffiti not so long ago said, uh, um, I want to say druids. It didn't. It would have been better if it said druids. It basically said all druids are fascists, you know. <laughs> and you know, I think there's a there is a you know once you engage, especially in the UK, with this kind of spiritual path, then well, it's not particularly particularly in Europe. You're 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 already you know you're in that you're in that process of recalling your ancestors. And all that kind of, and then you start returning to the earth, and mm, it, all, it all gets, yeah. It's yeah, it, so I, think, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess my before. magic that I taught, spoke of is closer to that kind of meme magic you're talking to. I mean, I, I think it's the same thing that I'm that I'm speaking to. It's just. Um, what what's the difference? I don't know. There's a kind of. Well, I think your position is quite different. That you have that dialectical relationship to it. That you, you you don't want to be totally like I mean, on the one hand, you are seduced, but you question that seduction. You try to see it from different places and to kind of uh, you understand its artificiality. Yeah. It's, it's you know you know you you understand you know that you you don't fall totally into it. You don't go into the ground and you know it's like I know this is it's, this is what we're. This is what worries me about this is i mean i guess this is what i was trying to get at before talking about waco it's a sense that like you know 
that the art world and you know pop culture both arose out of this you know post-war boom and set on this kind of path this trajectory of, of kind of experimentation and exploration right and the idea of the art space as a free space as an experimental space as a kind of like you know uh, as, as, as something to, to que- as a space to question and not be um, and not be constricted by all that now seems to be quite luxurious and possibly even decadent when you realize that a lot of those I don't know I don't know if you could say it's not like those ideas have been um, have been stolen or kind of but I think I think those ideas have, have been recognized by the right and kind of I mean it's politicized isn't even the word but it have, have been have been this I'm trying to get to a point which I think might might be might be something someone sorry someone's just calling me um the I guess what I'm trying to say is the engagement feels different now right that kind of that kind of that kind of idea of art as a space of kind of investigation and and kind of uh, and and sort of be non-utilitarian, right? Or be non-instrumental. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that withstands what's what's I, the I think contemporary yeah, totally politics. Right. I mean, yeah, that kind of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the kind of autonomy. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole discussion of the autonomy of the art, you know, since yeah, Clement Greenberg. I mean, it's, it's been very much put into question but not only that the you know the forms of criticism to that argument from institutional critique now they're put also into question because they see it how you know they you know it has um, this double moral you know and i think when you said the individual or that freedom of the position i guess what is being shown that what allowed that is you know also that kind of forms of a structural you know I, I guess you might know the Morgan Quentin's. Um, I, yes. Yeah, I, I just saw a talk by him recently, and he talked about the oh, double, uh, double, double moral of you know, uh, left. Yes. You know, lefted claims in the arbol, you know, but it's just uh, them. It's just like a facade that then, if yes. you go look a bit deeper, you realize you know how problematic it is and the kind of forms of concessions that have been making it so i guess that you know puts totally into question that kind of the freedom the, the autonomy of the either the artist or the individual you know or the artwork you know it's like i think people as you said people are looking at it and seeing the set of relationships and how problematic they are and i guess how ideologically either corrupt or at least the limitations of it and i think i i, I guess i don't know i get the feeling that Maybe what you were mentioning, you know, it's like seeing like, oh, you know, like all those things that we could maybe hold or previously we hold as something that 
was our leverage point for critique, then now it's just like falling and, you know, like melting and, you know, it's like, okay, where do we stand? Yes. Yeah. But if, but if, but if Maggie... <laughs> it feels, very, it feels, sorry, it feels very much like that, but yes. No, I was going to say that if for the left, um, art somehow could be understood as magic, the difference that I understand between what we call like, yeah, this memetic magic or exploitation of uncertainty from the right in the form of magic is that uh, the left do not employ art like, uh, for example, Marcel Mauss understands magic uh, equals science in its utilitarian mode because aims at environmental control. We cannot uh, create this control by exercising art. Actually, we fail right. always every time we produce this uh, inverted commas magical art we fail at environmental control we are fruitful and we flourish precisely in this chaotic experimental moment as you said since data right we are not good at, at, at doing this utopian cybernetic control of chaos yeah like, like I don't know, neoliberalism tried and right tried with more or less successful systems of control. So I think that's precisely why we, from the more progressive side, I hope we fail with the use of these, I don't know, magical approaches, you know. We do not convey this control, this utilitarian use of magic. Yeah, but neither does I think, neither is it productive to like continually uncover, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Which, is, which has been the kind of like remit of art for the last 20 years, this idea that you uncover and reveal and, you know, yeah. and reveal what? It's, it's, it's just... It just keeps going, you know. Yeah. So not nothing gets revealed in that. So I don't I don't know where it stands now in that sense. I mean, I, ve I very much feel like I mean I've felt like this before, and it, the art world finds some way of consolidating itself. But it, it very much feels like it's it's fragmenting. You know, it's it's the contradictions within it are kind of are too great. You know, to talk about the art world as like, even just like Morgan Quaintance and, you know, NFTs are like, or, or, or Gagosian Gallery, they're just, you know, they're operating in entirely different systems, you know? I mean, there's, there's, there's a, you know, they, they, they ellipse each other, they, they, they're contingent, but they're not, you know, they're, They're, they're addressing entirely different um, desires or different needs. I mean, you know, the, 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 the mega galleries are now are just transparently and blatantly greedy, you know. And someone like Morgan Quaintance is basically about holding them to account, but 
they don't care. <laughs> they, they, they don't fucking care anymore. You know. Um, but so, do, you, do you see potential? Because I remember in a talk, I guess it was this talk with... Uh, with Daniel Birnbaum, but you talk about, you know, how exciting, you know, you saw so many possibilities out of the internet and VR and everything, you know, that you saw that, oh, it's so, such an exciting time. And I guess maybe this was like two, three years ago. And, yeah, that was and, two or three years ago. <laughs> so, but out of this ruin, so out of this, of this you know, collapsing, you know, all, out of this uh, crumbling situation of the art, do you see potentiality? I mean, do you see like a kind of... Yeah, al always. Always, yeah. always. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, you got to be careful on the other hand not to go into that trap of like, you know, the, the three-day week and the kind of uh, winter of discontent produced punk, you know what I mean? It's like... yeah. The worse it gets, the better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least the music will be groovy. But it, it's like, um, no, I think I, you know you're seeing you're all, it, it's already there's different. I mean, it, it seems different spaces are being kind of like developed, uh, different alliances. Um, You know, personally, for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm moving towards music or the kind of music sphere. And because at the same time, I feel like they're moving towards me or me as an artist, you know, so there's some reciprocal ground there. Uh, so that, feel, that feels very interesting. It feels like I can kind of, I can kind of step out the art world proper and, and, there'll be something else there that is equally, you know, creative and, and kind of productive. So that's exciting. I think, you know, I think it's, 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 it's where you're, it's obviously where you're speaking from as well. I mean, it's, you know, you're a young black female painter, then it's, it's like this, this is a new era, you know, This is like this is this is a this is the moment to kind of like to be seized, you know. It's so it, it's shaking out in all different kind of ways, you know. I mean, the only the only real kind of like victims of this I see in the art world are like is that kind of freeze ethos, you know, that sort of and the, and the kind of galleries within that. I think those kind of like commercial smaller commercial not even small but just like not mega I think it's gonna be impossible for them here um, in Berlin that was already the world closing down like you know so many oh, of I them are so now yeah you know I mean ultimately I just think those energies get redirected right I mean but it's just you know this is It's, it's the, it's those, yeah, those, that flow is constantly being impeded, right? And this is, this is the world where, where, we're moving into is like, where, where, where everything is kind of blocked, you know, um, <laughs> 
I don't know. Uh, I try to be. I mean, I'm you know, I, I I I have to I have to reduce it to just a very. You know, this is this has been the great. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll be a, if it'll transform thinking, but it's like. It, you know, one of the effects of the pandemic has been to. I mean, you said at the beginning, no one, no one can speak of this yet. No one can speak of this time, but it's like, if it's, you know, a, a kind of shared understanding of it is that the horizons have been shrunk and reduced, and and kind of time is like much tighter now. It's, but then at the same time, there's you know a looming um, ecological disaster. So 